Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. The topic for today is how to market a podcast, like this podcast, for example. A quick disclaimer, neither of us really know how to do this, so this is going to be more of a brainstorming session than something where we actually know what we're talking about. Uh, but we're going to get into that after going over some updates about our businesses. So hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And hi, I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. Cool. What's up this week, Rick? I am forcing myself to say no more than I feel comfortable saying no. <laughs> I've, as you, as you, as, as I mentioned on last, on the last couple of episodes, my goals for the year have gotten more focused. Up until this point, I mean, I wasn't working at the beginning of the year, mostly just skiing and reading. And so I, I've gone from having an interest in saying yes to everything and backing out when it's no longer interesting. <laughs> and uh, that's that's been my habit so far. But as I've gotten more focused with Leg Up, with some of the ventures that, that I've started, I've set some goals for the remainder of the year and they require, they will not get done if I do not focus. Right, yeah. And so um, I've, I'm, I'm, I know that the right thing to do is to start saying, I'm sorry, but I just don't have time or let's talk after the new year kind of mm -hmm. thing. But it never feels good to tell people no. Do you have an example of something you've said no to that you otherwise might have said yes to? Not that I want to bring up. I'll give you a, a fake example because mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to take offense because it has nothing to do. This is not personal at all, right? right. If, if I had unlimited time, I would be saying yes, mm -hmm. but I don't. So uh, one example, let's just call it um, a, a person who is part of a community that I'm part of who has reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, Hey, can, can I buy you, can I buy you lunch and get your advice on my pitch deck? Mm -hmm. My answer is no. I, I can't. I don't, it, it conflicts with my goals right now. Yeah. And it's hard to say no. Yeah, that's that's tough. I, I get why it's hard, but I think it's also exciting that ha having that level of focus where you, you know exactly what you need to do has also got to feel good. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> but it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard because, you know, there, while there is someone out there, like this person needs help and I, and I, I want them to get help. So I'm realizing talking about it, what would make me feel better is connecting with someone who maybe does have time mm -hmm. and does, it does align on what their interests. Yeah. So maybe that's that the sense. solution is no, I can't do this, but you should talk to so-and-so. You could do what I do and just not have anyone know who you are or respect you. And then no one ever asks anything of you. It's that's, great. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Give it a shot sometime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's what I've got going on. I'm, I'm going through a period of, of reflecting on how I've spent my time in August and realizing if I repeat what I did in August, I'm not going to mm. be successful on how I'm measuring success in September. So um, it's a mindset shift first, but the, the, the mantra, I, I saw a quote from Warren Buffett earlier this year, and it, it goes something like this. The difference between successful people and really, really successful people is how often they say no. Yeah. I, I buy that, but I, I also think the fact that you weren't saying no before makes sense. Like Saying yes is a, basically a way to force serendipity or luck. 
right? Like both of us have had many moments of real luck in our careers, but it wasn't a total accident. It's you have to say yes to the the right opportunities. Once you know what the opportunities are and you don't need luck anymore, you just need to grind it out. That's when you start saying no, right? Yeah, that makes total sense. I guess I'm at that point where yeah. I need to I need to turn the luck that I've gotten so far this year into some um, something real. And if it doesn't, then I'll go back to saying yes and searching for luck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. cool. What about you? What's going on with you? Um, so I know in the in last week's episode, you asked me for feedback on. Uh, so I, I gave a company presentation uh, last week. And it was, I said, we do this every six months. It was the first one in a while where there wasn't much news. And you asked, what did people think about that? And I, I couldn't and you, say because. And you were very, I remember you being very uncomfortable because it's weird to repeat the same. It doesn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. to repeat this, hey, the, the same message over and over again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've had one-on-ones with most of the people at the company, not everyone quite yet, but got some feedback on that. So I figured I'd report back. Um I basically said, how do you feel? Well, A, how did you feel about the presentation? And everyone was like, I don't know, that, like good, but nothing new. Um, and then I asked, what did you what do you think about the fact that there wasn't any big news or anything like that? Overall, people seem pretty positive about it. Basically, different people think different things, but the overall feeling was if every single six-month meeting, there's some big groundbreaking announcement, that's uh, probably a sign that we don't know what the hell we're doing. And it's good to, every once in a while, those can inject some uh, excitement into the company. But if it's happening every six months, that's probably too often. Six months? Mm-hmm. Yikes. What, you, you you want the exciting announcement more often than that? Well, I guess, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am someone who, who as a CEO probably changes things way too much um, and causes <laughs> people hives at home. But- I, I guess if you're not changing, uh, I guess I, I guess I don't know what is meant by the big announcements yeah. being bad every six months. Does that mean that things are changing and and people are just in sync, or does that mean that there hasn't been any change? Yeah. So like two meetings ago, so one year ago, the announcement was there's this new product, Sparse, we're going to build, which we ended up killing before the next six month one. So that didn't go anywhere. And then the one after that is we made pretty big changes to how we think about profit share with employees and compensation. Um, and I think n- nobody, th- both of those meetings were exciting for people, but I think they're also like, I, I, I would get whiplash if that level of strategic shift is happening every six months, which I agree with. But one thing someone said that I think might put you at ease a little bit is they were like, the reason I don't need that every six months is because I feel like we hear about what the thought process is in terms of strategy all the time. And so uh, as long as we're getting continuous updates, that's better than waiting for one of these six-month meetings. Yeah, basically don't surprise us. Yeah, right. And I've started doing this thing, I think I've talked about with you, that we just call it group brainstorming, where every week I meet with three randomly chosen people at the company and just brainstorm whatever's on my mind. So normally product stuff, strategy stuff, whatever. So through the everyone participates in one every month or two as we rotate through people and they all kind of get some insight into, you know, what are the things percolating in, in my head? So yeah, that's a way to not surprise people. Yeah. Before the, before any decisions are made, here's what mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Um, yep. And then, uh, I think yesterday we finalized a new hire. I mentioned a while back, we were hiring to replace someone who left uh, the company last month. So we, we got our person and she starts later this month. So excited about that. What's the position? Uh, CRM coach, so oh, our our version of customer service. 
Excellent. Yeah. Um, Congrats. Cool. You want to thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always big when, when a new person starts, like for all I know, I might be working with you for the next 30 years. Like this is maybe a long-term relationship. Here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. Let's get, you want to get into the topic? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll intro this here. So basically um, for anyone listening, you haven't been listening for long because this is our ninth episode ever. Um, we started this podcast when we started, we were planning on just focusing on how do we make the content. So recording it, having a schedule, picking topics, editing, producing, publishing it, all that stuff. Uh, and at this point, we feel like we've kind of got it down. I mean, I'm sure we'll get better over time, but we've got a system where we can get podcasts published pretty regularly. Um, so now the next question is, how do we get anyone to actually listen to this? And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, keep in mind that like neither of us have ever done a podcast before, so this is going to be very speculative, and maybe every idea we have here is going to fail. But basically, we're just we need to have this conversation anyway, so let's let's record it, and maybe people will find it interesting what we're planning here. Um, so, with that said, you're you're more of a marketing person than me, certainly, Rick. But I, I was thinking one thing we could potentially do is go over some ideas we already have, or maybe you could start high level and just talk about how you think we should even approach getting listeners to a podcast like this. So yeah, okay. I I thought about this some before the episode. I I think one challenge that we have, Tyler, is that the reason we created a podcast was pretty selfish. It wasn't with our a customer in mind or an audience in mind. And so, for background, we started the this podcast because we want to spend more time together, mm-hmm. right? You live in St. Louis. I live in Utah. You decided, hey, um, what, what, you you came out every other quarter or every few quarters or so. Um, I recently, relatively recently, made a trip out to St. Louis at NHL, St. Louis Blues hockey time. And we had a great time. <laughs> and we both said, hey, how do we, we kind of had this moment where we said, we'd like to spend more time together. How do we do that? And I think both of us were thinking podcasts when we said that. Two mm-hmm. reasons. One, we want to spend more time together too. It'd be kind of interesting to see if a podcast would work. Neither of us have ever done that. Let's try it. And so we did that. And now it's been, you said ninth episode, I think. Mm-hmm. And we, we did a two or three that we kind of threw out uh, before we started actually publishing them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so now what's, what's kind of weird here is we, we have content that is valuable to us. I'm getting value out of this every week when I talk to you, I think, you're getting value out of it, mm-hmm. but the content that we've created was made for us. It wasn't made for some market out there of potential listeners that we have a high confidence that we'll get value out of this. Yes. Although I listen to a lot of podcasts that are, if anything, even less f- for an audience than, than this. So I, I listen to maybe five podcasts where it's two founders talking and some of them don't even have t- like deep dive topics like we do. Some of them are just Hey, what did you work on this week? What did you work on this week? Okay, bye. Um, and I think they they all have thousands or tens of thousands of listeners. And that in 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 marketing, that's a lot of like that's luck, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is an audience that wants to listen to founders talking to each other. I guess is my point. Maybe. Well, what? How big is? I guess I can't disagree with that. But but the way I would okay. So I'll kind of from a marketing standpoint, the way I would normally think through this is not 
we're kind of coming at this from a product first standpoint. Mm-hmm. We're not even a product first. We're coming at it from a, hey, we want to spend more time together and, and then see what happens, which mm-hmm. is a little different than, hey, there's a problem out there. Like you would go after a normal business venture or something that you're designing to actually be sustainable, make money. You, you go, hey, there's a problem out here that I know about or that I heard about or I've witnessed or I felt myself. And I'm going to, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people, the market, there's a market for people who have this problem. I've talked to them and they're, you know, they don't, they aren't telling me what the solution is, but, but based on their symptoms, what's out there currently from a, you know, current solution standpoint, you know, what they are looking to achieve what their ultimate outcome or job to be done is you, you go, okay, well, this person's trying to accomplish, get from A to B. There's a problem getting in the way. I'm going to solve that problem. And then we're going to create a solution for that. We didn't go through that. Pro- we, we really didn't go through that process. Yeah. So we're, we're in our ninth episode. We've got some traction and we can talk about that, what our traction is in a second. But, you know, I, I don't know where to start, I guess. Yeah. Well, one of the differences between you and me here is I am a consumer of this product mm-hmm. and you are not. Yes. You don't listen to any podcasts, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's probably. I, uh, I wish we could. Well, I should back up. I read transcripts, uh-huh. and then I li- I I just realized I do listen to podcasts, but they're they're only when Sable makes me listen to them. Sable's my <laughs> wife on long drives. Mm-hmm. So they're good for that. Yes. So I do. I actually realized I did listen to podcasts, but I do read transcripts. Okay. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a little bit. So to your point, yeah, normally what you do is you'd identify a problem and then build the product around how you want to solve it. In our case, if if we identified the way to solve the problem is to, you know, interview a guest every week, we wouldn't do that. So we're a little constrained here. But I've been trying to think like, why should a podcast be valuable to anybody? And when I say podcast, I'm talking about this unscripted, not a lot of effort put into the the production of it, like like this type of podcast, not, you know, an NPR one where it's like really super polished. Every blog post and every book on startups is going to be more edited and polished than the content we produce here. So why would anyone listen to this? But we know people do, myself included. And so I was trying to think, why do I listen to it? And I think the reason is one of the ways we learn is by uh, absorbing content, but one of the ways is also by observing how people we admire carry themselves. Um, You know, babies mimic how adults make noises and that's how they learn to talk. And then in adulthood, we we listen to people we think are smart or interesting or whatever and mimic them. So I think I listen to these podcasts primarily not for the content, but to see say like, these are two smart, interesting people I otherwise would have no access to. And I get to see how they actually talk to each other, talk through problems, think about their businesses. The process is maybe more valuable to me than the actual conclusion of the content. In other words, wa- watching two p- types of people two different types of people problem solve together and how they go about the problem solving. You can learn by imitation. Um, mm-hmm. You can even, you know, identify patterns by listening to multiple. I'm, I bet, have you, well, let me ask you a question. Have you, as you listen to these podcasts, have you identified specific talking patterns or problem solving patterns that, that you can call to, or is it sort of, is it less, um, is it, is it less specific and more just a generalist? I'm learning. I know I'm getting something out of this. 
Yeah, I when I listen to our episodes to myself recorded after I get over the initial shock of you know everyone hates hearing their own voice, but after that when I hear myself talk, I think I sound like the people in the podcasts I listen to more than I probably did. I, I only started listening to these maybe two or three years ago. I, I absolutely think it affected how I talk, even though I was not aware of that at the time. There was no conscious change on my part. Got it. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I, I've I was talking to one of my friends uh, who he listens to more of the um, NPR type of podcast, but he or I shouldn't say that, but it's not like as focused as this where it's about business. It's just oh, interesting facts. Did you know that? Yada yada. Um, but once again, he listens to him. He said because smart, interesting people talking in a unguarded way is like a valuable thing for him. Interesting. Okay. So where do we? I, I get it. So one way to look at this is why from ourselves, why do we listen to podcasts and try to craft a, uh, a plan to grow our audience based on people who are like us. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're suggesting? That's certainly one approach. I also think we should be, we should be very aware that there's an existing audience for this listening to other podcasts. And is there a way to market specifically to those people? Okay. So where I would start with this, if I were looking at this from a, a venture standpoint, is I would go straight to the question, what, who or what, I guess it's who, who is our ideal listener? Mm -hmm. I don't know who that is. I don't know a lot of people like you, for example. So where it falls, where, where that approach that we just discussed falls for me is I don't. If I knew a lot of Tyler's, I'd be a lot happier. I'd have a lot more people that I, <laughs> so you know, I admire. What's the and, difference between me and the the people you do know? Well, like you know, other founders, you know, CEOs, you know, programmers, right? Mm-hmm. One, I think um, we've gone through some experiences together that have a high amount of trust, which allow have built trust between us, and mm -hmm. that allows us to speak very candidly with each other. And so words aren't minced. If they are, they're clarified very quickly. Time is not wasted. We, 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 we work through learning together and problem solving together at a very fast pace. Mm -hmm. There are not many people who I've, who either, there might be two functions here. One is the trust. I, have, I haven't built trust with them enough to get to that point, or there's something else different about you that allows you to banter in a way that is extremely informative to me. Well, so let's say it is, it's, it sounds like this might be something that d develops over a relationship and is not like a fundamental characteristic about you or about, like, I feel the same way about everything you just said, but two other random people could equally well form that relationship with each other. But if you met one of them, you wouldn't have that. So when we're thinking about our audience, it probably needs to be more like an innate characteristic about them rather than something that is built up via your or my relationship with them, okay. right? Yeah, so I guess, I'm gonna, I, let me just ask the question, who is our ideal listener in your mm -hmm. opinion? Um, I mean, it's got to be someone who's interested in business at least and prob probably startups. Uh, I think, so I mean, I'm really big on the whole bootstrapper thing, as you know. Um, and I think there's a whole ecosystem of bootstrapped founders or wannabe founders that uh, 
no, they're not going like most of the advice out there is for venture backed, like kind of Silicon Valley style startups. And I think anyone who's interested in startup, like technology style entrepreneurship, but not going the Silicon Valley route, I think is going to be up our alley. And I would guess more will we'll skew more favorable towards a technical or product crowd than we would towards a business crowd. That would be my guess. Why is that? Um, one of the things I really like about what we've done so far with this podcast and the other ones I listen to is they're very like uh, tactical and detail, like getting it done oriented. And certainly there are business people that way, but that's a characteristic that I think really, really meshes with the programmer versus the person who's like going and building a brand strategy or something like that. So builders. Built, yeah. Yeah. Makers, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. And those could be executives, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, that could be uh, a, a, someone building a company. It could be someone building a department, something creating it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a create maker, a creator type person. Yeah. And I'll also add all the people who listen to this type of podcast, all the other podcasts I listen to that are of this format are, uh, all those people are in a community that I would refer to as the MicroConf community. Do you know MicroConf? MicroConf. MicroConf. Like, it's a conference. Con oh, okay. No, it's a conference. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a conference put on by, uh, so the podcast, um, Startups for the Rest of Us. Uh, with Rob Walling and I'm forgetting the other guy's name. Um, that podcast, those two people put on MicroConf, and there's this whole community of bootstrap-ish uh, startup software startup people. All of the other podcasts are also people who go to that conference, so that's a community that definitely likes this type of podcast. And these are this is a community of people who are saying no to venture capital and building quote unquote lifestyle businesses. I wouldn't, maybe not, some of them are lifestyle businesses. Um, you know, there's this whole movement right now for funding a business, but not with venture capital, uh, tiny seed, indie VC. Well, one of the, one of the people who puts on microconf is the creator of tiny seed. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with tiny seed, but there's all these funding mechanisms for, uh, it's not bootstrapping at this point in my opinion, but it's, it's not VC either. What that are, world is very in, in this. What yeah. is this group of people like? Why are they? What are they trying to accomplish that's new and different? What? What? Like start to start up for the rest of us. Okay, mm -hmm. let me let me back up. I think what's happening here is we're saying, listen, you you you, ha you see a problem. Mm -hmm. um, whether you've I don't know if you've experienced personally. I want I want to know what that problem is, and then you also have identified an existing solution out there called MicroConf and this Startups for the Rest of Us podcast mm -hmm. that seems to be trying to solve this problem. What Can you go through what, what you see? Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you how they talk about it. They talk about it like um, anyone who's not in the VC Silicon Valley style, there, there's a sense of a lack of community and like entrepreneurship is very lonely. Uh, you need peers, you need people to talk to and relate to, but if you're not raising money from investors, you're not in these, you know, Y Combinator style incubators or anything, the community isn't accessible to you. So this is like, that's what startups what for the rest community? of us means. Sorry, what community? Well, any community, but like people you can relate to. If you work at a big company, you go into work all day, every day, you're surrounded by people, by peers you can talk to. If you're an entrepreneur who hasn't yet gotten to the point where your company has a lot of employees, you need peers or people to talk to 
from some other source. And that's the community they're trying to build, I think. And the community's differentiation between the, let's call it the Y Combinators or the venture, the, the venture funded companies is what? Mm-hmm. Um, just that they're not, they're not trying to take over the world. They're not unicorns. I wouldn't quite say they're lifestyle businesses necessarily. But what are they trying to, what are these groups, what are they trying to accomplish? If they're not trying to do VC and they're not trying to build a lifestyle business, which I think we should Mm -hmm. define, but what what is it that they're trying to accomplish? Uh, there's a whole spectrum of outcomes they want. I think both of us are in this spectrum of anywhere from, ambitious but not willing to give up control of the company. So control and freedom and flexibility are, I think, one of the big things. Um, some of them are straight up like, I want the four-hour work week. Anything along there. But the thing is, investors don't want to invest in someone that isn't trying to create a unicorn for the okay. most part. I, I, I think when you just said, I'm part of this, I, I think I am too. Mm-hmm. I, I want to define what this is and give it a name. And I think <laughs> we, call, we call it startup to last, right? Which is mm-hmm. not starting up to go uh, with a 99, a 1% chance of success, building something that sustains that something that's sustainable, right? Sustainable. Something that's sustainable. Although I would say a lot of uh, a discouraging number of the companies in this other community uh, are looking for exits. And I would say they're more like serial entrepreneurs hopping from thing to thing than I personally think this podcast is about. Okay. So you see a hole between the venture capital communities that are, let's go make a ton of money or fail or die and, or die mm-hmm. trying. Right. <laughs> uh, and then these serial entrepreneurs who are flipping companies mm-hmm. and that whole is building something to last um, that, that has sustainable impact and produces value for uh, the, the, the customer it's the market it serves and the people who work at it. Yeah. And, I, I, and the owners. I hope so. It's it's possible that that specific niche is small enough that there's not a huge audience. But if I could drill down one layer more specific than just the whole microconf crowd, I'd say it's that sustainable. Not you know, I want to run this for the rest of my career type of outlook. Cool. Do those people exist? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's I think I I think that's the characteristic actually that you were asking for earlier. That's what I like about mm-hmm. you is you're not. I'm reading, a, I'm going to take a step back and I don't, this could go, I, I'm halfway through the Fountainhead. Have you ever read this book? No. It's uh, by a, a, a woman, I think it was in the forties. It was written by, her name's Anne Rand <laughs> and uh, she, she's a, a philosopher. Yeah, I know yeah, who she is. You're laughing. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. what, um, there is something about in the book that I, I don't fully understand Anne Rand's philosophy. I think it's called objectivism. I, I don't, I don't really understand it, but one thing that is coming out of the book very clearly is that she believes strongly that the ideal man or or the ideal the the, the best version of man does not uh, compromise his or her ideals. Okay. Okay. And I think you don't do that. And that's one thing that I don't that I actually like about you is you are pretty uncompromising with being less annoying. Um, and doing things the way that you want to do them uh, because you believe they're right, not because it's what everyone else is doing. I appreciate that. I'll uh, try not to be compared to Ayn Rand in the future, but... Uh, 
I don't, I don't I even know if that. that's actually what she, she's She's saying. like the, the god of libertarians, basically. So oh, okay. <laughs> politically, we do not align, but uh, I appreciate the, the comment nonetheless. Um, yeah. So, and I guess there's one possibility here, which is no one wants to listen to this, in which case we'll keep making it and not, and just stop trying to market it. Right. Yeah. yeah we just, yeah. Or, or we stop recording it all together. Although I get value out of the recording, so it's probably worth, mm-hmm. like, even if. Uh, I go back and listen to every yeah. single one of these at least once. I'm, I'm the guy who does the transcription and, or like the, uh, we, we have an automated transcription service, but I'm the one who polishes it a little bit before we post. So I get that via, I listen to it too. And I, I would not want to stop recording it either. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think there's some ideal that we share and it gets into freedom, uh, not giving up control, doing things the way we see is the right way to do them. Now, as an entrepreneur and as an employer and you know, that's, you know, we're young. I think that that our ideals are what we think is best is changing based on learnings. Would you mm-hmm. agree? Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it, but it is this idea of freedom uh, and doing, creating, living, living and, and being the way you want to be without working for the man. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Or, for- Freedom's a huge topic on Startup to Last and, or, or that's us, sorry, on uh, Startups for the Rest of Us. And yeah, it's basically, you could even pursue the exact same goals that a venture-backed company does, but you're doing it because you want to, not because you raised money and you're forced into that one path. Got it. All right. So one, okay. So people, our ideal listener is someone who wants um, to achieve freedom through entrepreneurship, uh, they, or by building something mm-hmm. um, that, and then they want to, you know, the, I guess the subset is doing that in a way that lasts a long time versus uh, going through an exit, a quick exit um, and flipping a company, but building something that is sustainable and will will keep on keeping on for, for years to come. Yeah. And probably somebody that doesn't feel like they have a peer group to have these conversations with personally, or at least not big enough one. That might mean someone working at a big company who's aspiring to go into this world, but doesn't know people yet. Might mean someone who's uh, an indie founder working remotely, but yeah. Okay, cool. So I think there's a lot of people out there who are interested in this. And even if they weren't like ideal, there's some, I think there's a huge circle around the, the big one, which is I want to achieve freedom through entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and I think that that, that group could get value, the similar value as the, maybe not as much as the ideal person that we just described, but may, mm-hmm. may be interested in listening. Okay. So let's dive into like the actual, okay. We've got some kind of persona we want to make this for. How do we get anyone to pay attention to this? So I wouldn't go there yet. I would say okay. We've got fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I think that the second question is, I would I would just ask like, what is it that we are doing unique? What what do we have to say about this topic that is unique or interesting? And you know, I guess why why should that ideal listener, assuming we what product can we provide, what podcast episodes can we provide that would actually be interesting to them? Yeah. Although, so first of all, I'm not sure it has to be unique in the true sense of the word. Like it's possible, like all these other podcasts that do this, there's only so much for any two people to talk about. And so they publish at most once a week, normally 30 minute episodes. It's possible people just want more content. That's the same. That's one possibility. Um, What I'll say is different from the ones I listen to. um, Having the deep dive topic each week, which honestly, we might run out of topics. We might hit a point where we can't come up with 52 unique topics every single year. But for now, that's a bit unique. 
Um, and then I think one difference is most of them are either two business people or two technical people. Uh, I think it's interesting that your, your skill set and my skill set right now overlap a little, but cover the whole spectrum in a way that most of the groups don't. Interesting. So we, we both, I, one, we, we, we have both been CEOs of a, of a web startup startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and where maybe where you, where I'm weak, you cover that really well. And where you're weak, I cover that decent, maybe not quite as well as you cover mine, but okay. No, I, I think so. I, th- yeah. I think absolutely. And I, I also think it's great. You are in the very, very beginning days of your business. I'm 10 years into mine. So we also cover the spectrum in terms of like the size and maturity of the company. Yes. Well. Okay. So that's unique. Uh, I agree that like the problem, bringing a problem as a topic and having that be discussed is unique. I haven't heard of that before. Um, most, it seems like most podcasts are guest based or purely conver- like very unstructured conversation based, like, like you discussed. Yeah. And let me, the, the guests, almost all startup podcasts are interviewing guests. I, fucking hate that style. There are a million of them out there. And I think we're just by virtue of us not having guests, we're immediately different from the majority of podcasts. Cool. Okay. And so, so is there anything, I guess what's, what you're saying is the people, the, the, what, 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 what do, here's the question. What do we know? What, what do we know about this space that other people find difficult mm-hmm. to know or, what do we find easy in the space? What is easy to us in the space that may be difficult to someone who's trying to get into the space? Yeah, well, um, I don't know if this is universally true to everybody, but I'll say a lot of people I talk with, like when you're an experienced entrepreneur, as we both are, one thing you get very, very comfortable with is not knowing at all what you're doing and just do like what we're doing right now. Neither of us started this conversation having any clue what our outcome would be. Maybe we won't have a conclusion, but uh, I do think it's valuable for people who haven't gone through that to hear two people that are comfortable just brainstorming a topic hear that. Said, diff- can I summarize it? Mm-hmm. Two people who are comfortable not knowing the answer to the question mm-hmm. and, and not letting that stop the conversation. Right. It probably makes the insights a little worse, but maybe the process is more valuable. Interesting. Okay. I, that was that, just the first thing the that came to mind. Of entre- like, that's what, what it takes. You have to be mm-hmm. okay with uncertainty, okay with not knowing, okay with change. And when you're scared, what, like I, I can tell you this gets into leadership at its core. When you are scared, when you're scared, you, it's very hard to be a good leader, whether you're a one person show or a you know, hundred percent company. Okay. Mm-hmm. I totally, that, that really helps me. So it's this, it's this, we're comfortable n- being exposed, not knowing something and confident that by talking about it openly and asking questions, mm-hmm. we can get to an answer. Yeah. I mean, I think that we haven't validated that that is true but that that like this is going to be our differentiator but i i buy that it is just on intuition let's call it a hypothesis and we'll yeah ultimately this podcast is the test of that but i agree that yeah. that is the unique thing about this okay okay so I, I know you want to get to this so can i run through some stats of where we are right now and then i want to know how like at the end of the day yeah. we want to increase we want to increase these we right? make those numbers go up yeah yeah so so far, we we really launched this in in late june so far, we've had about 200 downloads, which means someone has either played an episode on our website or downloaded it at, on Apple Podcasts, played it on Spotify. 
right? Yeah, and probably a lot of downloads for a mature podcast, a lot of downloads are not necessarily people listening to it because it happens automatically in the background because they're subscribed. Yes, yep. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have uh, our, our podcast host does this thing where they estimate the number of subscribers based on how many people have downloaded versus streamed and they come to an estimate. We don't know how the, it works, but it says we have 11 consistent subscribers. Thank you, all 11 people. And I'm going to reduce that by two because- Because you I and I two, both do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, so it's probably nine subscribers. Thank you, mm -hmm. whoever you are out there. Um, in terms of where they're listening, 33% are on Apple, 22% are on desktop, and 12% are on Spotify. Desktop meaning streaming through the web? Streaming site? through the website, yes. Not, not downloading it? Okay. Correct, the web browser. Mm -hmm. uh, and then- 95% uh, of, of our downloads and subscribers are from uh, the U.S. Got a couple in Mexico and then somewhere in Europe. It, it wasn't specific. Uh, I think the big stat that is interesting is that from July to June, the number of downloads, I'm sorry, from July to August, we doubled the number of downloads month over month. So there is mm -hmm. an upward trend here. We don't, September's just starting. We just had a Labor Day weekend. It's, you know, if we could double our, our downloads every month for the rest of the year, we'd be pretty happy, right? Yeah, although the flip, I, I think a more interesting thing to look at is how many downloads are we getting of each episode? And that number has not, like the peak was three episodes ago. And then we were more or less level, but it certainly hasn't been going up since then. Yep. Yeah. So how do we make the downloads go up per episode mm -hmm. or on our most recent episodes? And then how do we make the, the subscriber number go up. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the question. Yeah, I think okay. that's right. Where do we, uh, how do we do that? So, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the framework we're using here. So we have a Google doc that has three sections. Um, what is on autopilot? What are we experimenting with and what are ideas that we want to try? So the idea is we, we don't have anything yet that works, but once something works that we just need to keep doing, we're going to move it to autopilot. And then we're going to take things from the backlog and put them in the experimental category. And one or both of us will do those things to try and, you know, maybe it's advertising, maybe whatever it is to try and make it work. So what we're really talking about here, what are our backlog of ideas that we're yeah, excited so about? You're, you're, basically, the way we're, we're going right now is an experimentation model. Mm -hmm. um, I think what we just discussed actually hones our experimentation a little bit. So one is, we, I think we have a much better idea who our ideal listener is now. And so we should, I, I want to kind of, I, I think one thing we should do is really think about where those people hang out. I think you've, you're further ahead of this than, than me because I think you've already always had this ideal listener in your head. Well, because I hang out with, I'm, I'm more yeah. of our ideal listener than you are. Exactly. I'm, I'm entering the space of the ideal listener, right? Mm -hmm. I'm new to this space and I need, I'm actually would be a really good person to start consuming this content if I wasn't producing it. Right. So, so, um, where do I hang out where, you know, you know, where your guys hang out, where, where are the people mm -hmm. hanging out? Let's start there. Um, I think you've, maybe you can, you've talked about indie hacker. I don't really know what that is still. Yeah. So uh, there's a variety of online communities. Reddit has some stuff. Hacker news has some stuff. Indie hackers is a website. Stripe acquired it. So technically it's owned by Stripe, but there's basically no relationship. Stripe um, owns it's, indie hackers. Mm -hmm. Why did they buy indie hackers? Stripe's mission, as they say, it is to like increase the GDP of the web. And I think they're saying Indie Hackers is a place for aspiring entrepreneurs to like get over the hump of getting their business started, okay. which helps Stripe. Cool. That's their that makes total claim, sense. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically, it's mostly very, very early 
entrepreneurs on Indie Hackers, but it's, it's a message board with some other features. You can like write blog posts similar to Medium. They have a podcast. They interview founders, things like that. Okay. So there's online um, communities where these people hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, we could like go go there. What, yeah. And what? I've been po- just to like what I've done without any real strategy behind it. I'm moderately interested in participating in that community anyway. I have a, I've already done an interview with them years ago that still gets a little traffic. Uh, I've started trying to leave about one comment per day on Indie Hackers, not promoting the podcast or anything, just maybe someone will see me and it, it'll help less annoying CRM and startup to last, hopefully. Um, well, I was looking at our Google Analytics. Uh, I think it's 70% of our traffic uh, over the last week came from indie hackers. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it, <laughs> that's wild. I didn't know you were doing that. So it makes sense. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to know what worked, though, because one thing I did so, in order to market this podcast on indie hackers, I think what really I have to do is market less annoying CRM, because that's a much more interesting story at this point, because it has millions of dollars in revenue and stuff like that. Most of the engagement I got was I posted a milestone about Lesson Wing Serum that we hit our 10-year anniversary. And a, not a lot, but maybe five to 10 people commented like, hey, great job. That's awesome. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the main way people saw this podcast. I agree. Yeah. I, I can't I, do that every day, obviously. <laughs> yeah, t- yeah, exactly. It's it's sort of like we're, we're marketing our, six, our milestones individually. And mm-hmm. as they look through our bio online, whether that's Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Indie Hacker, they're seeing that we have this other thing going on and clicking through and checking it out. Right. Um, so, okay. So we've got, we, we should definitely identify more places like any hacker where these people are hanging out. How, how, now what can we, I guess, how do we get people to actually start listening intentionally? Do we have to be really patient about this and passive about it? Like you're like you were just talking about, or do we get aggressive? Well, so from what I understand, podcasts are a very quickly growing medium. Um, and it's possible that without us doing anything, an order of magnitude, more podcast listeners will enter the potential audience over the next five years than exist now. Uh, so one thing that might be important here is trying to like, like, there's a question of, do we try to go out and find our typical person, but who isn't necessarily listening to podcasts and base it more off interests? Or would it be better to say people who are already listening to podcasts are going to understand how this works. They know how to subscribe and all that. Let's really focus on them. So like Indie Hackers has a whole group just for podcasters, for example. I'm I'm thinking right now, I'm realizing we're kind of getting into the weeds. And I, I just remembered a book I recently read called Audience, The Audience Revolution, I think. And it's by a guy named Danny. I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's Danny Eine. Um, It's a short book. It's like 100 pages. This guy has an audience, right? And he's, mm-hmm. he's built a book about how to build an audience because most of his audience are people who are thought leaders, consultants, writers, uh, and want and want to build their own audience, right? So yeah. uh, um, I'm rolling my eyes real hard right now. Okay, why are you doing <laughs> that? Go, well, go ahead, and then I'm going to rant for a second. Okay, so I, I I think that there's the fr- there's a framework from the book that I'm, I'm going to try to recall, um, and one is that before you can really market the podcast aggressively, you've got to create some foundational listeners. Mm-hmm. Like, like ultimately like what grows a, an audience is having a really true, like zealot, like f- true fans in your mm-hmm. audience. And so getting to that like foundation. It's like crossing the chasm, right? Yes. It's you start with your cutting edge early adopters and then gradually move more mainstream. Exactly. And so maybe like 
one way to tackle this is to not worry about just generally growing uh, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the number, but really focusing on getting some number, maybe it's a hundred, I don't know what the right number is, but of really raving, you know, high engaged, highly engaged audience members versus just, just, you know, going after everyone. So my instinct is if we want that, we should be going after the people that listen to the other similar podcasts. Okay. Go after the existing market. Yeah. We don't have to change their behavior. They already have this as a habit and all we have to do is be as good as the other ones and they'll just add it into their lineup. Okay. By the way, if I can give my rant for a second. What's the rant? Almost everybody who is like a, a quote unquote thought leader is good at building an audience and potentially good at nothing else. And so they're giving advice about something without necessarily actually being good at that. What they're good at is being a thought leader. And so if you follow them as a model, you end up developing skills to be a thought leader and not skills to do whatever it is you thought you wanted to do. And this really applies in entrepreneurship. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, me crazy. I, hear, I totally hear you. Um, I think, yeah, I won't. Yeah, we don't need to dive into that. Heard I just had to and, get that off my uh, chest. Noted. Uh, <laughs> we, we could do another. We could rant on that all day. So yeah. uh, here's what I guess what I'm getting to is so I so high level. There's a market out there of people who want to uh, learn how to generate freedom through entrepreneurship. Ideally, they want to do it in a, by building a business that they own, control, and will run for a long period of time, maybe the rest of their lives, and. They are some some subset of those people out there are already listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. How do we go? Fi- like, how do we go get those people? I totally agree. Focus. Okay. On so, one option I think I realize advertising probably should not be our go to here for cost reasons. Like, we we don't I think have any plans to make money off this, so it's not like we have a huge budget to mm. do this. But if we wanted to, it's pretty easy to see who on Twitter follows these podcasts or the hosts of these podcasts get a pretty good sense of who their audiences are. We could either advertise to them directly, or maybe there's some kind of more subtle gorilla type thing. Um, There's trying to guest post or not guest post, but the equivalent of that, like be a guest on their podcasts. I think that's hard because they all have huge networks of entrepreneur friends that we're not at you and I are not in, but those are two things that come to mind. Interesting. So basically look at the podcast, hosts as the key influencers and really try to build relationships with them or uh, by, by coming on their podcast and, and using them as a, a basically an, an influence, a, a key audience member for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, or so, like really going into their being pretty competitive and going in and finding out who's listening and going, Hey, like I saw you listen to this already. You should check out, will you check out ours and give us some feedback? Yeah. But, and once again, though, this isn't like selling software where they're going to use one or the other. I don't think it's competing with the, as a matter of fact, my, my absolute favorite podcast is called Art of Product. And one of the hosts on that regularly makes a call for more entrepreneurs to do exactly what we're doing. He's like, I love listening to this type of podcast and there's only like 10 of them. I want a hundred. So it seems to me that the, the, the people who have, who have relationships with, the people that we want to go get in this first segment, which is people, our ideal listeners who are already listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. We, if we could build relationships with these podcasts and they would help us promote our podcast, whether that's advertising on their podcast, you know, re, you know yeah. retweeting, 
or, uh, or even just, you know, telling people about us, that would be high return on investment. It would. None of them have advertising okay. uh, on their podcasts. They occasionally do guests, but like us, the format is not guests. It's normally one of the people's on vacation and they need someone to fill in. And it's, I get the impression, always someone they know, but if we somehow knew them, um, that would be one way. I don't see any of the, I'm just, I imagine that they just get absolutely swamped with wannabe podcasters like us doing this. This is a classic problem with marketing anything is when you're just like now with less annoying CRM, I can go in somewhere and say, we have some credibility, we have revenue, we have users. Look at our 300 reviews on G2 crowd that say five stars. Like we can't do that. I, 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 I know you're right. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. That's not the first step. The yeah. first step is reaching out, finding ideal people and reaching out to them individually and saying, hey, we check out our podcast. That's and talking to them and getting feedback. It's interacting yeah. with our, we have a, whoever you are out there who's listening to this, please like reach out to us and talk to us about this because mm -hmm. honestly, just interacting with you is going to help us. And I, I think at the end of the day, if I, we get more interactions with our ideal listeners, and maybe some of you aren't ideal listeners, we'd love to hear why you're listening. Ideal <laughs> listeners as we just described them at least. Yeah. Um, One of them is my dad. Okay. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he has an interest in this space. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, so, but I, I guess where I'm getting to is, yeah, well, let's go find these people, reach out to them and see what they say mm -hmm. and talk. Let's just talk to our audience more. I, uh, yeah, but th there's a chicken or the egg thing here, which of the nine subscribers, let's say five of them are listening and one's my brother and one's my dad. So we've got three people. Um, <laughs> we need to be able to get some listeners. I, I, the, the way I think about marketing at Less Learning CRM is you plant a seed and you hope that the seed is completely disconnected from your existing network because a, a network of people is going to saturate itself. Eventually, everyone in the network has heard about whatever. By the paid advertising, things like that we do, you plant a seed and hope to build a new network that didn't previously exist. I feel like we need to be able to plant some seeds before we have enough of an audience to like really engage. Yeah, and I actually think that um, the planting of the seed is simply talk like... This is like start. I, I see it so clearly now. We're starting a business. You don't like start marketing on Twitter, or like you call your customer and you talk to them. And maybe people don't want to get called about this, but you reach out and say, "Hey, I have something of value. I think you'd like." Um, or maybe you don't even pitch it. You just say, "Hey, like I want to walk through the mom test with you about this." You do some mm -hmm. basic customer development, and some percent of those turn into listeners. So walk me through specifically, though. Generally, I agree with you, but who, who, and how? Well, uh, I think Twitter is probably. I'm going straight to Twitter for some mm -hmm. reason because I feel like that's the people who are willing to be open about conversations and yeah. and have light touches and interact. They also have. There's also a lot of data on Twitter around who is more influential than everyone else, and then there's Twitter is definitely the network of choice for the, the people who I'm aware of in this uh, podcasting space Exa also. Exactly. They're not trying to make a quick buck on LinkedIn by spamming all of the people <laughs> who were kind enough to accept their, their connection request. Ugh, right. Talk about rant, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so it seems to me like we, we both know it. The mom, the mom tells the book about mm -hmm. how to go do customer development by interviewing your potential customers and asking them questions without selling them. And generally... Um, you, through asking these questions, do provide value to them by asking them 
about this and you can even give them an Amazon gift card or something for their time. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, I think that's what we should go do is we should, we should develop some questions that we want to ask these ideal listeners and then maybe do, yeah, if we each do one interview a week, like, so are you saying like just DM them on Twitter? Yeah. Like f- find people who follow Art of Product and Startups for the Rest of Us and podcasts like that and just DM them? DM them. I, I think like trying to – I was thinking that the best thing to do would be like go answer a question on Quora and see who responds. But no, I want to I go confirm that we have a, like an ideal listener here and that they do want to listen to our unique approach. Mm-hmm. And then I want to invite them to come here and see what happens. And if they come and they start interacting with us and they give us some feedback, we should be able to improve. And then once we build a foundation, we can start talking about like, okay, how do we plant more seeds? Yeah. I feel like the plant seeds conversation is premature. I guess what I'm trying to say. That's, that's fine. Yeah. I guess my point is planting seeds comes before engaging with an existing audience or some sort of audience building has to come before we engage with the audience that we have. Exactly. Um, and I guess what I'm saying is I, I want to avoid planting marketing channel seeds and have more just customer conversation, customer development type yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I buy that. Cool. Well, obviously we need to go actually do this. I'm going to keep up some of my indie hacker stuff. I have a handful of other ideas related to that. I still don't think the Quora thing is a bad idea, but whatever, we should each pick some things. Sounds like <laughs> you're at least going to try this Twitter thing. I'm well, I don't know if it's too, Twitter but... thing. I think that my biggest takeaway is we have an idea. We don't have, we, I wasn't clear about an idea or ideal listener coming into this. And I'm glad mm-hmm. we have this podcast because it clarified it for, for who we think we now have a hypothesis that we think may be true. I'm ready to go test if that's true or not. And whether what we're delivering or contemplating delivering is a value to them. And I think I can get an answer to that. By the, I think we can get an answer to that by the end of September. Um, so that's for me. That's like the number one thing coming out of this, and and we're and I'm happy to keep experience. I mean, I think we should experiment with a bunch of different things, but for me, that's the number one thing is just go talking to people about what we're doing and seeing what they say. Yeah, we still don't exactly have the most immediate next step, though. Like we, talking to people is a good goal, but like something along the lines of find five people on Twitter that follow this thing and DM them, or you know, we'll something say that. like that. I love that idea. Well, I don't want to do that. That makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you do your indie. I think indie hacker is your community that you need to. It'd be however you do it. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see if you could have some interactions with people you don't have a relationship with that aren't biased, yeah. aren't your mom. And I already know how to do that on indie hackers because they they have a podcast ch- channel thing that I'm going to go post in and say I think you only really get one shot at this, but I'm going to say I want to do some customer development calls. Who who will get on the phone with me? Exactly, and maybe that's what I need to do is just. Ask for customer development calls uh, on Twitter, some with with whatever Twitter's features are for this, and yeah. see what happens. That's my okay. that's my takeaway. Great. So we've each got a goal here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most inter- th- this was great. I think we we moved the ball forward. It's going to be really interesting. Is hopefully in a month from now we can come back and give some updates on how this is going. Yeah, totally. All right, cool. You want to sign us off here? Uh, I guess w- I just wanted to ask real quickly. Do you have any other takeaways? No, um, I don't, but I, I guess I'll just say this is a little different from the other episodes we've done in that neither of us knew what we were doing. In a lot of ways, we didn't reach like a super satisfying conclusion the way we do when one of us is maybe an expert on the topic. But mm-hmm. I hope, like t- to your point about if people are listening, let us know. I'd be very interested to know if that's an interesting thing to listen to or if someone was sitting here like, I just spent an hour of my life and they didn't even figure it out. So <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know that. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Uh, all right, so... 
Everyone, thanks for listening. You can join the conversation on this topic and review past topics by visiting startuptolast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, we want your thoughts. We want more interaction. So all of you, I think it's 11 now, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell, come, come talk to us. We, you know, even if, it, if you tell us we suck, that's something. Yeah. Uh, again, it's startuptolast.com and we'll see you next week. It was good talking to you. See ya.